This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. G'day, it's Ben Davis. Thanks for catching up on Mornings here on SENQ. But you know what? You can also catch up some great content with other SEN shows, such as Brecky with Patty and Heels, The Captain's Run with Cameron Smith and Denon Kemp, all on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But until then, sit back and enjoy and make sure you tell your mates. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. And a very good morning. Welcome to the program. Mark Braybrook on this Tuesday morning, filling in for Ben, who's on assignment this week for seven must be a couple of games of footy this weekend that uh, he's got his eyes on, as we all do. He'll be back next week. We'll catch up with him today to find out how the Lions are doing heading into the weekend. They're training this morning at Springfield. They should be doing okay, shouldn't they? Into a grand final, and Lockie Neal wins another Brownlow medal. Just stunning. I did not expect that. I don't think Lockie Neal expected that either, looking at the look on his face. It's been a bit of a surreal week, isn't it? Two Brisbane teams in the grand finals. Neal's Brownlow win. And, of course, the Dally M's are still to come. What will happen there? Will Kevy win Coach of the Year? Will there be other awards for Brisbane Broncos? Time will tell. Now, I wonder if there's anyone that is trying to go to both grand finals this weekend, particularly anyone listening or anyone that you know of that is lucky enough to be heading to Melbourne for the game on Saturday and then able to get to Sydney for the game on Sunday. Of course, now we have Monday as a public holiday in recent years, so there is the opportunity to do that. And whether or not you can afford it is another question, of course. Not only the airfares, but the uh, price of tickets. If you know someone or know of someone, 13 13 55 is the telephone number, 0476 736 736. Send us a text if you know someone that's lucky enough to be doing the double this weekend, I know a number of people that are heading to Melbourne, a number of people that are heading to Sydney, but how many are actually trying to get to both? And those uh, those lucky few will potentially see history in the making with uh, Brisbane teams winning both of the grand finals. 13, 13, 55, the telephone number, just let me know. Coming up this morning, we'll chat with Brent Tate to get his thoughts on how Brisbane can beat the Panthers on Sunday. I reckon out of the two games this weekend, that may be the harder option for Brisbane to try and overcome this Penrith side. Let's not, you know, joke ourselves. This is a quality side. You don't win two grand finals in a row uh, if you aren't a great side. To win a competition means you're, you know, verging on that anyway. But to win back-to-back is exceptional. To be in the position to win three in a row hasn't been done, you know, since Parramatta 81, 82, 83. To win two in a row hasn't been done for a while either. It's just an extraordinary achievement. So it's going to be tough for the Broncos, but this is 1v2. The same as in the AFL is 1v2. We'll take some solace out of the fact that the Broncos did beat the Panthers in round one this year. It was early in the season, but it was at Penrith. Also, so time will tell. And, of course, the Lions up against Collingwood, a team they've beaten as well, 1v2. It's ironic, isn't it? After all that's gone between the start of the season and the last weekend in September stroke, 1st of October, uh, we have Team 1 playing Team 2 in both grand finals. So we talked to Tatey about that 
a little bit later. Also joining us, in my opinion, the greatest front row to play the game, Glenn Lazarus. I mean, his record speaks for itself, not only here in Brisbane, but in rugby league in general. He won premierships with three different clubs. Not only did he win premierships with three different clubs, he won the initial, the first premiership with those three clubs. Canberra's first, Brisbane's first, Melbourne's first. That will never happen again. There'll be no player that is able to do that. We won't have enough new clubs in the competition or teams winning their first premiership unless potentially, say, someone plays for, I don't know, the Titans, Warriors and the Dolphins. Maybe, who knows? But for Lazo to win three, it's an outstanding achievement and his record speaks for itself. He's also great mates with Kevy Walters. They met uh, in Canberra when two young blokes were making their way with the Canberra Raiders uh, in those early years and they stayed friends, of course, at the Brisbane Broncos and Lazo was an assistant coach with Kevy at the Ipswich Jets, so he knows plenty about what makes Kevin Walters tick. We'll talk to him about what you need as a club, as a team, to win a grand final and what players need to be focused on come Sunday as well. And something that you may not know about Lazo also is that he's a member of Carlton. He loves Carlton. He is a passionate Carlton fan. He's a member of Carlton and he was riding the highs and lows on Saturday night um, with that game at the Gabba. So we'll speak to him. Speaking of the Gabba, one man that knows that really well, Daryl White will join us. Brisbane Lions legend for that game against Collingwood. So plenty of uh, great chats there, no doubt, leading into the grand final on Saturday and the win for Lockie Neil as well. Now, my expectations heading into the Rugby World Cup, it's fair to say, were not high. In fact, I don't think I had any expectations at all, really. But the way we went out of the tournament surprised me. To lose the way we did in such a big game against Wales really did leave a bad taste in the mouth. That, um, you know, 40 points to six and the way we got beaten was just poor. Now, Stephen Halls, former Wallaby and uh, commentator on Stan Sport, will join me later in the show. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on the performance of the Wallabies and where the game of rugby union sits now. I know this has been an ongoing discussion um, you know, on this program and on this radio station for quite some time now. Breakfast with Pat Neils have been speaking to Jimmy Tucker and others about the state of rugby in Australia. It seems like forever. And not only is it not getting better... It's getting worse, it seems. We're playing Portugal this week and we're questioning whether or not we can beat Portugal at a World Cup. And Portugal didn't get beaten the way we got beaten by Wales. I think Portugal Portugal got beaten by Wales 28 points to eight. So it just seems incredulous to me that we're sitting here discussing or even contemplating how will we go against Portugal to finish our World Cup? You may have a thought. 131355 is that telephone number. We'll speak with Stephen and find out in his mind where the game sits now. Speaking of uh, where the game sits and while we're at it, what are your expectations for the Cricket World Cup? We've lost five in a row. And it's not the fact, once again, it's not the fact that we've lost these matches. It's the way we've lost these matches. We've been lapped in these games. I know there's players that are out injured, Mitchell Stark and Glenn Maxwell are coming back, but they haven't played much cricket either. And we have been smashed three games in a row by South Africa. After winning the first two comfortably, all of a sudden things turned around. And now India is scoring record scores against us. Bowlers going for 100 runs. Uh, Cameron Green went for 100. You know, Sean Abbott went for over 90 in the last game. Where are we at? What are your expectations for the Cricket World Cup? So our men are not following our women's example from the FIFA Women's World Cup a couple of months ago here in Australia by getting the nation all together. What the men are doing at the moment with 
our rugby and cricket teams is having a scratching ahead and saying, where are we at? What is happening? And it's a question that I want to ask you. Have we lost our aura to a certain extent with regards to sport? Are we as feared as a nation in cricket and certainly in rugby as we once were? We've just retained the ashes. We didn't, you know, win the ashes. We retained the ashes with that series in England. But where do we sit? 13 13 is... The open line, or you can send us a text, 0467 736 736. Your thoughts on where we sit, your thoughts on Lockie Neal winning the Brownlow medal, your thoughts on this weekend's grand final. There's so much to talk about between now and midday. So many guests. 13 13 55 is that telephone number, or 0467 736 736 is that text number. Lockie Neal, Brownlow medalist twice. To win one is outstanding, but... To win two makes him an elite player now. Only a handful of players have won more than one. Lockie Neal is that player, and it came down to the final round. Western Bulldogs. M. Bontempelli, three votes. Well, there, Marcus Bontempelli went to the lead. I think he got to 29, which meant... Then in the final game, Lockie Neal, who was trailing the Bont, had to pick up some points maximum to secure that title. And this is what happened. Brisbane v St Kilda. Brisbane, K Coleman, one vote. St Kilda, N Wanganeen Millerer, two votes. Brisbane, L. Neal, three votes. And I declare the winner of the 2023 Brownlow medal, Lockie Neal of the Brisbane Lions Football Club. Jeez, he does draw it out, doesn't he, Gil? That will be his last Brownlow, and he was milking every second of it, wasn't he? And imagine not only for Lockie sitting there wondering whether he'd picked up three points, trying to remember it wasn't that far back uh, how he played. Could he have got the three? Marcus Bontempelli would have been scratching his head, saying, how did Lockie go against St Kilda? Anyway, Lockie Neal won his second Brownlow medal and was a little bit, I think it's fair to say, surprised. Uh, yeah, not, it doesn't sit very well, Haim, at the moment. Um, I'm sure it'll sink in at a later date. Um, I'm, I'm pretty rattled, to be honest, so apologies if this doesn't go too well. Um, I did not expect this, and to be amongst some of those names that have won two is um, unbelievable. And I think well-deserved. I, I know there's a lot of um, discussion around... Uh, certain games where he, or a game in particular, where he picked up the three points, where Charlie Cameron kicked seven goals and and didn't get the three points. But if you want to isolate, I think over the the length of a season, surely there's going to be other games where he may not have, he might have only picked up one and could have possibly deserved two or may not have got a, a vote and might have earned one, depending on which way you look at it. So to look at one game in isolation, yes, it does stand out when Charlie Cameron kicked seven. I, you know, that's a fair a fair point to make, but over the course of a season, you can look at a number of games and suggest that maybe he shouldn't have got a point there or should have got an extra point there. Same with Marcus Bonpelli. But in the end, Lockie Neal has won two Brownlow medals and will try and add that grand final medallion come Saturday. And well done to Lockie. And it just, 
I suppose the timing of it's great too, isn't it? The fact that it gives the whole club as they head to training now at Springfield um, a boost. Uh, heading into the grand final. That distraction also is out of the way for them early in the week. So today's Tuesday. They can now focus on the grand final and the motivation of, okay, Lockie's got that brand low, but let's all get together and let's try and win that grand final so we can all uh, have something to celebrate as well. Speaking of celebrations, uh, we'll speak with Ben Davis shortly. Ben will catch up with us. He is out at Springfield for the Lions training. He was also at the Brisbane section of the Brownlow medal last night. To, uh, there was, I think, about three tables of uh, the Lions players there that uh, didn't fly down to Melbourne but had the function at the Gabba last night. So we'll speak to Ben about that and what the Lions are getting up to today and what they'll be doing for the remainder of the week. And hopefully we'll chat also with Alyssa Smith from Seven, who's with the Broncos, to see where the Broncos are at because yesterday they had their fan day and it was uh, an extraordinary day as well. It was a big day as well. A number of supporters, more than a number, quite a few supporters turning out to show their support for the Brisbane Broncos ahead of Sunday's game. And Reese Walsh, uh, spoke and in fact Paddy was out at uh, training yesterday at the fan day as well and you can catch the interviews that uh, Paddy did with uh, those stars from the Brisbane Broncos head of the grand final on our Instagram and TikTok account search for SENQ on both platforms if you want to hear more of those interviews we'll try and replay over the next couple of days some of those as well I spoke to Payne Haas Billy Walters and Alan Langer amongst a few so Go to uh, TikTok and Instagram, search for SENQ on both of those platforms and you'll be able to hear uh, those interviews that Paddy did with those players. But Reese Walsh spoke yesterday about the crazy crowds uh, at Broncos training. I've been on Origin camps and the crowds are pretty crazy there, but I've never seen anything like this. So, um, yeah, that's just the credit of the of the city we're in, the people we're representing and, um, you know, it just shows it's, you know, more than a game of rugby league. Yeah, it it's, uh, means a lot, doesn't it? Those Broncos fans, it, it is uh, only a short amount of time since Brisbane collected that wooden spoon. It's been a remarkable turnaround. And even from the the end of last season where they almost fell off a cliff, really, Brisbane, the, the back end of season 2022 was uh, poor by their standards. They'd set themselves up to, to make the top eight and then just couldn't win a game to finish the year. And here they are. Uh, in the grand final, finished second, had the potential to to win that minor premiership, but rested those players against the Melbourne Storm. But they've still made it through to the grand final, and that may be the ace up the sleeve for Kevy that those players are fresh heading into the game on Sunday. But it'll take a big effort to beat uh, the Penrith Panthers at uh, a course stadium on Sunday afternoon. And I had a look at the forecast too: thirty three degrees for Sydney for Sunday, so it's going to be a warm one. That may play into Brisbane's hands as well. The fact that we're used to the warm, humid weather up here, 33 degrees on Sunday and 28 degrees and sunny in Melbourne on Saturday, which is pretty warm too for the AFL grand final. So that might be a little bit of an advantage for Brisbane. The fact training in the in the warmer weather and used to the warmer conditions, 28 degrees on grand final day is not something that those Melbourne players or Melbourne-based, as in Collingwood players, would be used to. 13 13 55 is the open line number, or you can send us a text 0467 736 736. Still so much to get through on the program today. We've got our quiz as well after 11 o'clock, so stand by for that. And the winner of our quiz today wins a $100 Archie's footwear voucher. So keep listening. I'll give you I'll give you an answer to one of the questions. I think Ben gives you an answer every now and again through the show. So one of the answers will be, 2003, 2003, one of the answers to our quiz whiz, which we will have 
later in the program. Thanks to Maccas, proud sponsors of the Little Legends supporting grassroots sports in Queensland. This is Mornings with Ben Davis, Mark Braybrook filling in. Speaking of Ben, we'll take a break and we'll come back and head out to Springfield to find out what the Lions are doing at training. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. I do like the Lions theme song. I know it's the French national anthem. It might actually be a little bit uh, rude to use it, but I still think the team songs are fantastic. And that is the Brisbane Lions theme, of course. Let's hope it's ringing out late on Saturday afternoon. It's not ringing out the moment at Springfield, but uh, we've dragged him away from the sausage sizzle, which uh, he is in the queue for. Ben Davis, how are you, mate? Uh, mate, I'm waiting for that sausage. Very well, Mark. Thank you for slipping on a brown with me this morning. It's been uh, an absolutely sensational week so far. That just got bigger last night when Lockie Neal uh, shocked himself. <laughs> had 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 no inkling it was coming. In fact, he said to me on the red carpet yesterday when I, I put it to him that he was a smoky. There was a late word around that that he could charge home. And he looked at me side eyed and just went, "Benny, you're kidding yourself." So it's it's been a, a not a night of so much sleeping for uh, for many of the team. Lockie himself, but. Uh, in the next 10 minutes, they'll be running out onto uh, Springfield Oval here, where, or Michael Voss Oval at Springfield, the Brighton Homes Arena, where we'll, I'm looking around. It's hard to judge, but I, I, there are easily a couple of hundred people here. Not, not as much, I would have thought, as Red Hill yesterday, but it's a much bigger space. It's an oval, so they're spread out. It's, uh, it's, uh, I'm just looking now. I thought, no, I thought the boys were about to come out, so you'll hear the cheers and everything going on, but... Um, Mate, it's, uh, it's been a, a fantastic 24 hours. It's just going to get uh, even bigger for the Lions. Yeah, and look, Springfield's a bit harder to get through for people, say, on the north side of Brisbane than Red Hill uh, would be for those on the south side to get to, to Red Hill. So I think it's understandable there might be less people at uh, Springfield than Red Hill. But what uh, so they're training today, the Brisbane Lions. You'll be keeping an eye on Jack Payne, no doubt. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, number 40 uh, is, uh, will be the, the first time that we'll see him run in a full capacity. This time last week was the first time we saw him out of a moon boot. Uh, I think I even made the remark then that he was jogging a bit like me. He, he looked about that fitness level. Um, he, he came through on Thursday behind closed doors. We, we couldn't see how much he was able to run during that fitness test, but he obviously failed. Chris Fagan has made no qualms about it. He will not take injured players into finals. He said that's just something he will not do. Uh, so this uh, this opportunity, and Thursday's going to be the one for, for Jack Payman. They do train at the Gabba again behind closed doors, whether they make the call on that. But the, the next man up, or I think uh, it was said yesterday by Danny Daly, the general manager of football, the next soldier up. That has been their mentality all year. And, and the way Darcy Gardner came in and, and floored the uh, Carlton forwards, he, he did a, a pretty reasonable job on, on Charlie Kerno, didn't he? It, it was only his third game of senior footy for the year. He had an injury-interrupted year. But Darcy Gardner came in and did that job. If Jack Payne doesn't get up, he'll do it again in the grand final and we'll have no qualms about it, neither will his teammates. So if Jack Payne is 100% fit, there's no question that uh, he doesn't play like he'll be selected despite the fact that Darcy played so well. Payne's been there for most of the year and done the job. He'll only miss out if he's not 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's the indication that, that we're getting. And, and, you know, he has had a breakout year, Jack Payne. Um, he has kept some of the, the best talent in forward lines uh, so far. I mean, what, what he did on Charlie Curnow in round eight, uh, that was his best game ever. We're talking a guy who's kicked 80 goals this season, the Coleman medalist, and Jack Payne kept him to one goal and just 10 touches. So that, that was round eight, and he's grown considerably since then. He's a big unit. He is, he is, you know, to take on those Collingwood forwards as well, who, who will be depleted because there's no Dan McStay there. But, um, yeah, Jack Payne, just with the body of work that he has already done this year, would be the, the man to, to come in and, and take his spot in that in that back line. So what does the week look like for the Brisbane Lions, Ben? Yeah, well, today is the Soak It Up Day, the embracing the entire grand final feel out here at Springfield, the, the, the first... And their only session that we'll get to see them uh, in the flesh in Brisbane. Uh, tomorrow is the day off. So they've been really, really keen on making this as normal as possible, if you can ever do that, in grand final week. So it's that fine balance of embracing, but also keeping a normal routine. This is their big uh, training. This is their first training session of the week since they played Carlton. A day off tomorrow. And then they'll train and have their main session behind closed doors at the Gabba tomorrow morning. Once that happens... They're on a bus heading to the airport, charter flight down to Melbourne, and that's when they hunker down. A captain's run on Friday at the MCG early, nine o'clock, before the parade. And that will be the final touches and the final preparations for them. Then they'll get in and, and jump into the, the grand final parade, which returns to the cars, the open. I think they're, I think they're Utes this year. Why wouldn't it be a Ute? Um, they've scrapped the boats and they will then kick into... Uh, grand final parade mode, uh, see the fans with the cup uh, near the uh, near City Hall and then it's all all bunkered down, hunkered down and ready to roll on Saturday. Back to, to Lockie Neal. First of all, with his shoulder, there was yeah. a little bit of discussion after the game on Friday night. Chris Fagan said, well, he gave me a hug uh, after the game. It didn't seem to be a problem there. He didn't have a problem last night putting the, the Brownlow medal around his neck. Uh, word is that uh, he's 100% okay. Is there any question mark about that shoulder at all? No, not at all, Mark. But we know at this time of year that, that, that no player is really not carrying something, some sort of niggle. So, Lockie Neal, I mean, whilst it's sore, he, he's done all the right protocols. They, he has the ice compression. It's a, The things they do these days, I remember, Mark, back in our day, yes, I'm putting you in that category with me, that you'd have to get up at night and, and, and mm. put ankles in buckets of water and ice at three, four in the morning. How you do that with a shoulder. But they've now got machines that are almost like a compression wrap that has cold water, ice water going through it. So he basically puts a, 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 a strapping, almost like a, like you take your blood pressure. It's, it's that type of device that you put that around whatever body part you have and it cycles through cold or iced water through that. So it's it's almost like having a heat pack or a cold pack in reverse and you sleep on it. So you don't have to wake up through the night to change it over. And that's what he's been doing for Sunday night and Monday night. Um, that is normal part of what they do on a week-to-week basis. That's the extent of Lockie Neal's shoulder injury. Um, we'll see how freely he moves out at training. So he won't be doing any contact, but you know what? Today's really not about contacts at all. Uh, it's it's really just to, to stretch the legs, to, to uh, get the juices flowing and, and open up after what was a, a, a bloody great comeback on Saturday at the Gamma. And uh, a magnificent night last night. We'll come back to you a little bit later <laughs> in the show, Ben, to see how they train. But I want to get your thoughts just before I let you go. I know you're really busy. Uh, a lot of controversy after Lockie's win, particularly that round where he picked up the three points and Charlie 
Cameron didn't with the seven goals. I made the point earlier in the program uh, before we joined you that if you want to analyse game by game, you might be able to pick up a point or two across the whole season where the, hmm. the votes were incorrect. This one does stand out. But I think Lockie Neal showed across the season that he's a worthy Brownlow medalist. Well, exactly right. And he addressed that. He was asked that about the, the, that Giants game. Were you surprised? Said, yeah, I was. I mean, you know, m- maybe one vote, um, you know, maybe none. But he said also there were games in the middle of the year where he thought he played really well where he didn't pick up votes at all. So that's the Brownlow medal count. He swings and roundabouts. So he was, he was comfortable with the way that played out. But the one thing I did ask him, and I do remember this, Mark, from, from 2001 when, when Acker won, our, uh, won Brisbane's Brownlow heading into a grand final, the first time that had happened. He felt, and he described it as the Superman complex, where he felt that I'm, I'm the best player in the game. I'm not thinking that. That's what I've been awarded. So I have to go out and do everything in a grand final. And Acker said he was running around like a madman for three quarters, just trying to do everything. It's, and he called it the Superman complex. I put that to Lockie Neal. He said, no. Nah. He said, that's, that's by no means on my radar. He said, just have a look at the last two finals we played against. I have not been the best player in the field at all, and we've won. So I don't feel like I need to get out there and roll into everything and make sure I'm kicking goals and getting 40 touches. So Lockie Neal, nothing will change. He did say, um, no way I'm in the class of like an Adam Goods or a uh, uh, Gary Ablett Jr. and the other Jewel Brownlow medalists. He said, these are legends of the game. And he said, no way do I fit in their stratosphere in breathing the same air. But he does. Yes, he, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, absolutely he does. does. And he'll, he'll certainly uh, cement that spot if he can pick up a, a premiership medal on Saturday, mate. No question. I'll let you get back to your sausage sizzle and we'll talk to you a little bit later when the boys are out on the paddock. Thanks for mining the shop for me. I really appreciate it. It's going to be a big week. Brisbane celebrate, drink it in, soak it up. The Lions and the Broncos. Good on you, mate. Ben Davis out there at Springfield. The Lions about to take to the track for their uh, first public training session of the week and their last public training session of the week, as Ben mentioned. They then go behind closed doors for the captains uh, for their final run on Thursday uh, in Brisbane at the Gabba before heading to the airport to head down to Melbourne for the grand final on Saturday. We better check the news headlines. Brent Tate coming up soon as well. It's 26 and a half to 10. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Yeah, that's one of the best. I think the best is the best, but that's my team from the Hoodoo Gurus, uh, one of the NRL themes from, she's uh, a while ago now. They love their NRL, the Gurus. Um, Rick Grossman, who's the bass player, is a mad South Sydney fan and spent a lot of time, as our next guest Brent Tate would know, with the Queensland origin side, just loves his Queensland Maroons and South. Dave Faulkner, Cronulla supporter, the uh, former drummer Mark Kings, Mill Kings, he was a Dragon supporter. Brad Shepherd, who's from Brisbane, um, is about the, not as big a fan of the NRL as the other blokes, but they loved their footy and loved uh, being part of the promotion of the game. Brent Tate, who is joining us this afternoon, as he does regularly with uh, Ben on his program, and it's always great to have him as part of the SEN coverage. G'day, mate. How are you? Hey, Mark. How you going, mate? I'm well, mate. 2006, uh, this week must bring back memories of that. Oh, I suppose every grand final week must bring back great memories for you. 
Yeah, it certainly does. Um, it's a, it's a, it's the best time of year. Um, we all love it, uh, especially when your team's in the grand final. And very fortunate enough to ex- have experienced that um, throughout my career with, with the Broncos. So um, yeah, mate, it's a, it's a wonderful week. One we should all celebrate. And um, what a match we got coming up on uh, on Sunday. How tough will it be for the Broncos to go up against the Penrith side that is looking for three in a row? I made the point earlier in the program. Tati, to win a premiership is an outstanding achievement. To win back-to-back premierships is an extraordinary achievement. To win three in a row uh, does not happen very often. Parramatta, the last team to do it in the 80s. So there's no denying the Broncos face a huge task to beat one of the best teams the game's ever seen. Yeah, you're dead right. Um, it's incredible to think that, you know, the last four years they've actually been in the grand final. It's 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 crazy to think, but they're a wonderful club and um, Brisbane are going to have to be at their absolute best to beat them. Um, you know, I think they're the only team in the competition that can actually worry the Panthers. I think, you know, there's enough strike power and experience in this Broncos team to to worry them. Um, but it's just about how they're going to handle the occasion because as we just touched on, Penrith have been there the last three years in a row, um, you know, they'll be ready. They know how to prepare. They know what to bring come grand final time. Um, so it's about how Brisbane handled the, the occasion, um, especially some of those younger guys that haven't been there before. Kevy has. He's won plenty uh, as a player with the Broncos and the Canberra Raiders. So his experience will be invaluable. But how hard is it to get that across to those players that don't necessarily uh, had that experience. They might have played Origin, and, and some of them now develop, you know, Pat Carrigan, for example, into, into international players. But can you explain to everyone the difference between playing, you know, Origin, Test, and a grand final, you know, with the, with your club? Well, well I, th- I think having that Origin experience is certainly going to help them. Um, it, it certainly will, I guess... They'll have an understanding of what they need to do to pre- and prepare to play for big games. Because, like, like, Origin's a big game. There's a lot of pressure and expectations that come with playing Origin. Um, grand final is a little different, though. Um, you know, I think there's a real understanding that, yeah, you know that they're so hard to win. They're so hard to even play in. Um, but, you know, that, that, that big game experience that some of those guys have had through Origin will certainly help them. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, one of the great things that Kevy will do is... He'll give these guys belief. Um, you know, I think all year he, he's played that part really well as a coach. He's he's given these guys the belief that they are a good young side. Um, you know, there's plenty of talent in there. And if they can get it right on the day, as I said before, I think they're the only team that can can match the Panthers. But, you know, they've just got to manage that, at, you, know, you know, getting a game day and putting their best foot forward. And, and you know, they, they're all going to have to be at their absolute best to beat this Panthers side. Is it fair to say that this Sunday is eerily similar to 2006 where Melbourne was heavy favourites to, to beat your side? Um, how did you, as a player, heading into a game against a team that you knew was one of the best but you were able to beat them, what was the key factor there for your success on that day back in 2006? Well, honestly, it was just the belief that we could we could beat them. Um, you know, never throughout that whole week did I ever think we were we were going to lose that grand final. I, I always knew we had uh, enough talent in the team and we had enough experience with you know Gomez and Webby and Petro that you know come game day I knew I knew what they were going to bring and we just had to jump on the back of that as as young kids. Um, and oh, you know that that's it is very similar actually. Or oh, 
you know, Melbourne, I think, hardly lost a game that year, very much like Penrith. Um, you know, we went into that game heavy underdogs. Um, no one really gave us a chance, but, but um, we did. Um, and the thing that Wayne, again, gave us throughout that week was the belief that we could beat them. And, you know, we decided very early on in the week that you were going to take them on through the middle. Um, our big guys were, were going to, you know, roll their sleeves up and, and really take on their forward pack. And I think that's what Brisbane have got to do. They've got to match... Um, you know, the Panthers has probably got the best two front rowers in the comp at the moment, um, in Leota and Fisher Harris and um but you know, Brisbane have got a great pack as well and the game's been around a long time but they're always one in the forwards and you know, this grand final will be no different. So uh yeah, very very similar in the way um yeah, you took my next question away because we've got Glenn Lazarus coming on the show later. His uh, presence in those Canberra, Brisbane and Melbourne uh, teams is not coincidental that they won their first premierships with a great front row in the side. You mentioned Fisher-Harris and Leota. It's a big task for the Broncos front rowers because they need to give Adam Reynolds the opportunity to do what he's been doing so well throughout the year to give the Broncos a chance. Yeah, they do. Um, but you know what? Well, yeah, you know, Payne. I thought against uh, the Warriors, he was outstanding again. Um, you know, Fleggy's been playing some great footy, so it, it is a really big job because Panthers last year um, against Parramatta, I, I thought their front row was pretty much from the you know the first ten minutes or fifteen minutes in that game, they, they belted Parramatta out of it. Um, you know, the, their big guys really set the platform, and you know Brisbane are going to have to match match that because. Um, Penrith will bring that again. That's that's exactly the same game plan they'll have is to to come out and really lay a platform and, and for the likes of Cleary and those sort of guys. So really big job for the Brisbane pack, but mate, they're 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 a good forward pack. I mean, there's um, Origin and Test experience led it all through that, and and that's why I'm so excited about this game on the weekend because they're both um, representative packs that won't give an inch, um, and, and I'm really interested to see who flinches first come this grand final because it's going to be a cracker in the middle. Is it as simple as saying, you know, dominate those forwards to try and put Fisher, Harris and Leota in particular on the back foot and then Spencer Lean who comes off the bench, that that is one yeah. way of nullifying Nathan Cleary, that if you can do that and give Cleary less room to move and less time to make his decisions, that you're on your way? Well, he's always going to have an effect on the game, Cleary, because he's, you know, he's one of the best players in the game. So at some stage, he's going to have, you know, his, his fingerprints on the game. But you know, absolutely. Um, as I said, the game's been around a long time, and the formula's the same. If you can dominate the middle, you know, it takes certainly, you know, those guys. You limit the opportunities that those guys get, and um, you know, that's why Penrith have been so successful for so long. I mean, they've they've got strike and great halves um, out wide but their big guys always lay the platform. So, uh, you know, Brisbane have got a similar formula, though. You know, they've got, um, you know, strike power all over. And, you know, if their forwards can get a bit of a roll on, and you're right, give give Adam Reynolds some room to start dictating play. Um, and I think we saw on the weekend with the offloads, and you can get the, the likes of Reese Walsh, Staggs, Herbie Farmworth with a bit of room, uh, they're going to trouble anyone. So you know, I think that's going to need to be the formula for Brisbane again. Are you going to tip them? Or what? what does your head say? What does your heart say? Oh, look, I, I just, my, my head thinks Panthers, but um, certainly the heart wants Brisbane to win. Um, I, I'd love to see these guys get up and, uh, you know, the, the club's always been a proud club um, and it should be playing for premierships nearly every year and it's great to see him back. But, 
Uh, mate, they can beat Penrith, that make no mistake. But again, it's you know every one of those players are going to have to be their absolute best if they're going to get the job done. Thanks for your time, mate. Enjoy the game on the weekend. Thanks, mate. Go the Bronx. Brent Tate there. Brent Tate joining us here on Mornings with Ben Davis. Mark Braybrook filling in for Benny, who's having a big week this week on seven duties with the Lions and the Broncos into the grand final. Our coverage of the grand final, 10 hours non-stop, starts 12 o'clock to 3 with the NRL crunch time. Our panel previews the Broncos and Panthers grand final, then the NRLW grand final, and then coverage of the Broncos-Panthers grand final. Kickoff is at 6.30. Now, don't forget, on Sunday... Daylight saving starts. So here we go again. 6.30 our time. The grand final starts. Our coverage starts at uh, 12 o'clock our time. Or is that 11 o'clock? We'll find out. But anyway, 10 hours of coverage on Sunday. But don't forget, daylight saving kicks in. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Yeah, Mark Braybrook filling in for Ben on this Tuesday morning. Benny will be back next week. He's on assignment for seven, being grand final week. A tad busy with the Lions and the Broncos in grand finals this weekend. 13 13 55 is that open line number. You can send us a text 0467 736 736. Uh, what is your favourite grand final memory? What's the best grand final that you have seen, been to or whatever? Um, it could be because of any reason, whether it be the team you follow or just some memory from that grand final that uh, takes you and puts that above all the others. Could it be the Broncos' first premiership win or the Lions' first premiership win or maybe don't follow either club? It could be, you know, the game itself. Canberra and Balmain in 1989 was a cracking grand final as well. Then that Manly Newcastle uh, grand final where Darren Albert scored that try. From an AFL perspective, uh, it was interesting looking at the list of grand final winners in the last few years. Now, Geelong beat Sydney last year by 80 points. Melbourne beat the Bulldogs the year before by nearly 80. Richmond beat Geelong by 30. Richmond beat the Giants by over 100. So they're the last four grand finals have been 60, 80 and 100 points, which is a big gap. It, Back to 2018, where we had a five-point decider, the Eagles beat Collingwood. Um, I remember clearly that uh, Swans-Eagles grand final. What was that in 2006 that was won by a point? The Swans and Eagles used to have some great grand final battles. But what grand final sticks out for you? 13-13-55 is that open line. You can send us a text 0467-736-736. Your favourite grand final memory or your favourite grand final it may be a new one come this weekend whether it be the Lions or the Brisbane Broncos interesting story uh, just coming through now of course Lockie Neal winning the Brownlow last night there seems to be a lot of controversy over that game against uh, GWS where he picked up the three points and they've um, some media organizations have done what they call a forensic analysis of votes throughout the year, et cetera, et cetera. We'll talk about that a little bit later because they're saying on 19 occasions, players, they believe, were awarded maximum 10 points by coaches for the AFL Coaches Association MVP, yet they didn't receive a Brownlow for that particular match. And on other occasions, 16 occasions, the players received three Brownlow points from the umpires and nothing from the coaches in their awards on that day. You're always going to have a disagreement. That's um, quite a, a stunning statistic there, which we'll talk about 
a little bit later. But as we've uh, mentioned earlier with Ben on the program, uh, the Lions currently training out at Springfield and a healthy crowd watching them go around. The last time we'll see them in public training here in Brisbane. They'll be at the Gabba on Thursday before heading down to Melbourne to prepare for the grand final. One man that knows plenty about preparing for grand finals and big AFL matches is Lions legend Daryl White, who joins us on the program again this morning. G'day, Daryl. How are you? Oh, very good. God, God, there's some controversy already after the Brownlow. Yeah, it seems that way every year, though, mate, doesn't it? Oh, look, look, the way you look at it, look how um, Butters, Goulding, all those blokes who come running home with a you know, wet sail, they actually most probably played four or five weeks um, just as good before that. So the umpires, I reckon they, I don't know, I think there's a bit of media about it as well. So they catch on to the media who's playing well. Look, mate, I thought, yeah, um, look, loved it. Um, unbelievable lock in the old gets it. But I thought, yeah, I thought Dacos should have won that by a country mile. Yeah, uh, look, he had a wonderful season. What impact do you reckon it'll have um for the Lions, the fact that one of their teammates, it happened in 2001 with Acker, um, I think, Daryl, too, the fact that your mate is a Brownlow medalist heading into a grand final. Oh, we were lucky, mate. We had it in 2003 again with Blackie. So, look, we've um, looked the proofs in the pudding there. You know, um, I think hopefully, um, yeah, uh, it can come around 20 years later with a good omen. So, um, I don't think many of us are into omens. I know you got to work it, you know, go out there and work your butts off. But, Look, I think it's a great thing um, having the best player in the comp. Look, he is in the top three players in the comp, without a doubt. Um, and um, the way he finished off the year. And look, number one clearance good in the competition. So that goes a long way. He does that really well. I think his um, work of, you know, busting out of packs and thing, I think his impact wasn't as impactful as years, um, his previous Brownlow. But um, look, this is what it's all about, isn't it? It doesn't matter what happens throughout the year, what goes on through the week. As um, long as you get there 2.30 on a Saturday and get ready to perform, that's what counts. Speaking of the week, and we had Brent Tate on earlier talking about uh, his preparations when the Broncos won in 2006 uh, against the Melbourne Storm. Uh, how important is that week in, in trying to avoid the hype but embrace the hype uh, in a certain respect, Daryl, to get yourself ready for Saturday? I think Lee Matthews had it down tap. Like he said, you have to embrace it, you know, because you know some some people never get the opportunity again. So he said, during the week, obviously embrace it. You know, you've got to take all the phone calls because obviously people are just um, ringing you up to um, wish you well and stuff like that. So you have to embrace it during the week. But he said, around about Friday, you have to start honing all that last training session you get maybe on the Thursday, the main one where you have a decent, you know, maybe an hour, hour and a half workout. Then the Friday is just a you know, a light kick around. But, um, yeah, that Thursday, I think you start honing in. Then once that training session gets out of the way, you have a team meeting that night, you know, a bit of a brief. And then, obviously, the little kick around on, on Friday, you're pretty much zoned in. Most probably turning your phones off then, too. That's a good time to turn your phones off because they well wish it's got to be ding and ding and ding and all day. So he was good in that. And I didn't really – I'm pretty relaxed anyway. So that was sort of my motto, I suppose, going into it. And, yeah, Lee Matthews sort of – reaffirmed that, you know, and something he most probably done in his early days too, which most probably worked being a five-time 
premiership player. Yeah, and Daryl, it's remarkably, I suppose, similar um, the path that the Lions have taken the last few years to get where they are now in a grand final as to when you joined, say, the Bears into the Lions and the fact that uh, joining a struggling club that eventually won a premiership, it wasn't that long ago uh, that the Lions were struggling in attracting players to the club and even retaining players was difficult. Um, there are similarities there, aren't there? Funny you say that it goes, you know, like, and we had, um, you know, we tried to, well, we attracted, you know, we'll try to retain the Craig Boltons back in the day and the Shane O'Brees and those types, you know, who end up going to other clubs because they couldn't fit into ours. And say, so, yeah, very similar, you know, they had some really lean years there four years ago, away five years ago, the Lions, you know, struggling, well, even six years ago, struggling at the bottom of the ladder. But like, as we said, the last three or four years, just building, you know, getting to prelims. Um, obviously, the COVID year, that was good for most probably Brisbane. You know, they put them back on the map, so to speak. And um, look, this year, um, they've just been flying. So, yeah, it's, it's 20 years on, but there are a lot of similarities. What's the key for the Lions come Saturday? Oh, I thought that, look, I think both back lines are unbelievable. The midfields are. They've got two good forward line. So, look, it just really matches up. Both teams are in the top three or four, I think, um, in the top three in scoring, and both are in the top four in defence. So, it's going to be a crack. I think it's first use, um, whoever gets out of the middle. But, look, I was um, I was a big one on Gardner last week. I thought he might struggle a bit. I thought he was fantastic and really, really warrants his spot in the side. Um, you know, Leicester was good down there as well. You know, and starts of which Wilmot and these blokes. So, but Harris Andrew, I think he he's the one, mate. Um, at the end of the day, look, I think he went off with two or three minutes there, and that's when Kerno kicked that goal and got off the leash for about a couple of minutes and took a couple of marks outside fifty. But other than that, he came back on. He and he just make he, he solidifies that back line. He just gels it right together. And you know, I you know I look back twenty years ago as we're talking about, and you know, I say. Justin Leprich, Mel Michael, myself, and um, uh, Chris Johnson. Like, we never went off the ground once, mate. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, we never had, a, had an interchange. So, I think if if Fagan's listening tonight, uh, um, and if Brisbane Lions win the grand final, it's because Harris Andrews did not leave the field. If he leaves the field, that, there's a goal gone begging straight away. And, you know, um, grand finals goals are a premium. And Charlie kicks a bag? Look, he's, um, he's just so... Um, He's um, a bundle of everything, isn't he? A yeah. bundle of frustration and then a bundle <laughs> of so much so much excitement. The thing is, when he goes near it, the crowd just lights up and sometimes he doesn't get it. Eh? And the crowd's still lighting up, waiting for something to happen. Mm. And I go back to that um, the week before when uh, he um, kicked the two goals. It was just two goals in two minutes, you know, and that really got the lines flying. And then, you know, it, it um, got him over the, you know, got him over the line against... Um, uh, Carlton the next week. So, look, he, he's very exciting. Look, Joe Danner is going to be very important. I think um, when he plays loosely and just plays with a bit of fun and, and his charismatic self, I think that goes a long way. So, but, mate, as as we said, it comes down to that midfield, mate. First use, the delivery. And um, it showed um, that from stoppages, you know, both teams are really good. So, it's going to be around that um, contest of dual ball. Is there anything, should anything be mentioned about the slow start on Saturday night at the Gabba? Or is that just one of those things and, and that would have been addressed on at, at quarter time on Saturday and, and that's it? But you can't afford a slow start in a grand final, can you? Yeah, and, and I think it does. I, I, I think you're right. Um, 
look, it, that's just the pressure and nature of the game, mate. And 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 does and in a grand final, like on the weekend, obviously. Look, I, I, I was um, yeah, I was sort of wriggling my seat a little bit because I thought <laughs> if, if they if they kicked another one, uh, Carl, you you just never knew. Mm. And um, but they didn't, and, and we just kept it at that two or three. It wasn't much, and even the night before with um, GWS and Collingwood, you know, got away. It was the same sort of thing where you thought two goals was just enough. You know, sides couldn't. But yeah, grand final. I think that doubles now. Like two goals is like four goals. Then you had the pressure on that, you know, and you're playing the last game, and it, as we know, this is it. Um, that could accumulate to, you know, two goals could accumulate to three goals. So the pressure does build up. But look, it, it's going to be enticing. You got one and two. What else? What else do you want in football, mate? So I mentioned earlier when we're talking about the NRL grand final, and Penrith are trying to win three in a row against the Brisbane Broncos, and how rarefied air they're in to win three premierships in a row. They've been in four grand finals in a row. And, of course, you're in a team that won three grand finals. Do you look back and and think now that you've retired, and as you said, it's been 20 years since that 2003 premiership, does it mean more now than than it did 20 years ago, the fact that, hey, we won three in a row? Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, you start talking around and, you you know, you put sides against sides and errors against errors against errors, you know, and, and it, yeah, it does. It um, puts you in a, in a stratosphere that, you know, there's only a few people there and um, we're lucky enough to be, you know, a handful of, oh, I don't know what it is, I think it's about 80 players that won three premierships, you know, mm. so that's, um, it, it's pretty tough, you know, when you look at 16, 20,000 players that come through this game over, you know, 100 years, you know, um, yeah, it's a great feeling and, yeah, I might add a Norm Smith medals of that in another five years when the when the legend gets longer. <laughs> now, just before I let you go, mate, uh, how are you spending Saturday with the game? Um, well, it's a difficult one. I've got a function in the morning. Um, I've got two of those to do, one at 10 and one at 12, and then get to the game hopefully um, about one-ish. And um, I'm trying, when my kids want to get out there and watch the sprint, so I said, you'll have to go yourselves and do that, and I'll meet you up later. I've got a few things to do. But, yeah, actually go down and um, enjoy the day, which is um, something um, I've never done in 95, didn't get the opportunity to do uh, with my family. My family hasn't been to a grand final. We haven't been to – they didn't have an opportunity to come and see me retire because back then you couldn't jump in the cars with your kids and stuff like that. And, yeah, so um, – it's a bit of a round circle for me, you know, being 20 years and it's good to line, you know, and brings a few memories back. And back then my two eldest ones were, you know, uh, six and seven, Daryl and William. And now one's playing on the list of the lines and the other one's in the NBL carving it up, you know. So, um, Great. yeah, it brings back a lot of uh, good memories. And um, who knows, uh, <laughs> Saturday afternoon uh, next week, who knows, it might come around. And um, we've got our reunion on Sunday too, our 20-year reunion. So, who knows? The new boys might be joining us. Uh, absolutely, that's fantastic, mate. Just before I, one last question: uh, head and heart the same this weekend. Lions to win. Do you do you, you feel that this is the chance after twenty years? I definitely do. I, I think it's a real one. But the only thing I'm scared of is this black and white army have played some really good footy this year and and been the number one side for a reason. Um, but we've had their measure over the last six, seven games. and um, But none of that hasn't been at the G, unfortunately. So we've got a a bad rep there. But, mate, at the end of the day, um, 
every footballer in the country wants to play on the G and there's every Brisbane lot, you know, the 22 that run out, they're going to be throffing at the bit to get out there and they'll do themselves proud. And look, I think it'll be a real close one. I, I thought if maybe a Carlton or a GWS got in, it might have just blown out a bit, you know, just the runs they've had. They've had some unbelievable runs, those two sides, and I thought it might come to a, you know, a hefty, heavy end, but I think this one's going to be a close one. And yeah, the heart definitely says the Lions. And look, I'm swaying that way too. The head, head's sort of starting to say in the Lions. With the Brownlow medalist, it might give them a bit more of an off. You know, that 1% here, there and everywhere gives you that opportunity to win the grand final. So, yeah, I think the Lions in a close one. Might, hey, might go back 21 years. 2002, Lions by nine points again. Oh, great stuff, Daryl. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Really appreciate it, mate. And enjoy Saturday. Thanks, boys. Thanks very much for having us. There he is, Daryl White, uh, Lions legend, uh, talking about the game. And, of course, our coverage starts from 9 o'clock on Saturday with Off the Bench with Hutchie and Pickers live from Fred's Fed Square in Melbourne. So if you're going to Melbourne, make sure you go and see Hutchie and Pickers there at Fed Square. Then Crunch Time AFL from 11. Our panel previews the game between the Lions and the Pies. The big one, the grand final, the AFL Toyota grand final. Coverage from one, the bounces at 230 all live on SENQ and the SEN app. Glenn Lazarus joining us uh, in about five minutes or so from now. 13 13 55 is the open line. 0467 736 736. Mark Braybrook in for Ben today, who's on assignment with Channel 7. Before uh, the news there with Vanessa, we were talking about uh, uh, forward passes technology in the NRL and my thoughts on that. And Bob from Marichidor, you have an opinion as well. Morning, mate. Morning, Mark. How are you doing? I'm well. Um, hey. Mate, yeah, look, the uh, last couple of um, matches, especially Roosters, uh, the missed forward pass cost the Roosters and also the Warriors. I'm not going to say that the Warriors could have won from where they were, but it certainly uh, deflated them. Mm. Um, I understand you've got to have your halfway line um, and you've got to have your um, your in-goal lines, but instead of having a 25-metre line, why don't we have five 10-metre lines? That way it would be easier... Uh, for the video referees or for the touch judges to line up the, the pass. So we have, we have 10, 20, 30, 40, then the halfway, then 40, 30, 20, 10 in the goal line already. Um, is that what you're talking about or what do you mean? Well, the halfway line yep. and, the, and the goal lines, obviously they'd be marked the way they are now, yep. but you'd have a different colour. Like you might have a, um, a, uh, a, a yellow lines, like from the, from the halfway Okay. Halfway mark to the goal line, you're going to have five yellow lines, like thin yellow lines. So that My, just, just to help the, the linesmen um, line them up. And the, the, the thing I have with that, though, Bob, is that that, doesn't, that can be deceptive as well because, as I said before, this is where it becomes really difficult, that passes are allowed to travel forward. So you can pass the yeah. ball before a line and the player you're passing it to can catch it over the line and it's a legitimate pass because it's come backwards out of your hands. So... To, to adjudicate on forward passes is not necessarily as simple uh, as, you know, they're trying to make out. We're trying to get people perfect here and no one's perfect. So what you need to do is watch the ball out, you know, their hands, not necessarily the ball, which way are their hands going. And a, a good referee will, will pick that up as opposed to where the player catches it. Where the player catches it is irrelevant. Um, it, it's how it comes out of the hand because most passes – will travel forward, particularly those that you see where players are racing down the field because the 
basic law of physics. You throw a, a ball out the window as you're travelling along the, the M1, um, it's going to land in front of where you threw it, even though you threw it out the back of the car. Yeah, yeah. Look, I get that, mate. But, um, well, why are they being missed? I mean... That's a good question. Not, good question, not, yeah. Are the lights been just not fast enough with the modern players? Potentially. Like get, um, uh, somebody like Reese who makes yeah. the break and passes the ball. Mm. Well, he, he, he's probably the, the quickest guy on the field at the moment. So the linesman, he's no sprinter. He's not going to be able to keep up with it. Uh, yeah. Maybe you should have two linesmen. Two <laughs> linesmen on both sides of the field. Yeah, well, it all, it, that's, you know... Being able to keep up with the plays, one thing as well, and I'll also revert back to what I said, Bob. The fact that they're not making enough calls during the game, they're sending too many to the bunker, and they're not making enough themselves and getting in position to make the call. If they know that they don't have to be there because someone else is going to look after them, they don't make that extra effort to make the position to make the call. It's like a player who doesn't push hard to make that tackle because he knows someone else will make it. Um, that's what happens too, I think. But uh, really appreciate your call, mate. Who do you reckon, Broncos or Panthers? My heart says Broncos. My brain says Panthers. I think a I lot think of Panthers by fourteen. Yeah, I think a lot of people might think that. Good on you, mate. Enjoy the footy on the weekend. Matthew says problem solved. Bring back Bill Harrigan and Pat. Bunker replay should be shown at the actual speed of the game, not in slow motion. The game isn't played in slow motion. No, it's not, Pat. But the argument for the bunker and the argument for video review all the time is to get it right. But they're not getting it right either a lot of the time. And, and they're not looking at everything. I mean, unless, uh, unless a foul incident of foul play is going to end up with the player being placed on report, the bunker's not allowed to chime in. What is the point of that? If a bloke gets hit in the head or there's a bit of foul play that requires a penalty, the bunker should be able to step in. What is the point of having them there? I, I don't understand that. If you've got it and you want to use it, use it for everything, not just bits and pieces and make it a little bit more understandable for for the viewers, for the fans to say, well, why didn't the bunker step in then? And then you hear an, uh, you know, an excuse from Graham Ennisley saying, oh, that wasn't a reportable offence, so the bunker's not allowed to. Why? He's there. She's there. Let them be part of the the adjudication of an incident that could re- a player, a team could receive a penalty, but not necessarily a sin bin or report that could win or lose a game, could win or lose a premiership. 13, 13, 55, the open line, 0467 736 736. Glenn Lazarus next. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Oh, Sam, I could listen to that all the time. Brings back great memories. Tina Turner, the best is the name of the song. One of the great sporting promotions of all time. And uh, 1993, that time goes so quickly. 30 years ago, my late father was uh, working for the New South Wales Rugby League at that time. And that grand final is special because he passed away a couple of months after that. So always brings back great memories. I'm also sure it brings back great memories for our next guest who has uh, done everything in the game of rugby league. The only player to win premierships with three different clubs. And they were the initial premierships for those three clubs. He was named the player's player for two consecutive kangaroo tours. The last kangaroo tour in 1994 and then in 1990. And how about this? I mentioned earlier that he's a Carlton fanatic, but he also was the first 
player to score a rugby league try at the MCG. So there you go. I speak of Glenn Lazarus. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, mate. And yourself? I'm all right. What you is that? Hey? You feeling okay? I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling fine. Mate, uh, <laughs> what, um, when you hear that, the best, Tina Turner, what memories does that evoke for you? Oh, just everything about that 93 grand final, the celebrations after her coming down and, and getting in amongst us and uh, singing the team song and um, and just what a wonderful, I think, and I'm really biased, mate, but I think it was a great time, the best time for rugby league. I just thought it was a wonderful period there through the 90s. Um, yeah, um, and the, uh, the, uh, yeah, the memories just keep flooding back when I, whenever I hear that song, yeah. Yeah, 30 years. It's remarkable how quickly it goes, mate. As I mentioned, Canberra, a premiership, Brisbane, a premiership, then, of course, with the Melbourne Storm in 1999. What does this time of the year mean to you? Uh, I, I get really excited around this time of the year. I, you know, I'm glued to the TV watching the semi-finals because I know, you know, the players that are playing in it are, are doing their absolute best there. Uh, they've got to play better, you know, the, the good teams play the good teams and we see really good games of footy. But I, I just love being in Sydney at this time of year and I'm, I'm heading down for the for the grand final, heading up to the grand final. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it because in my experience through the, you know, the, my, my career, uh, being in Sydney at semi-finals time and grand final time, it's just, I mean, it's just become, you know, it's spring and, there's, you know, there's flags everywhere and the people are all buzzing because the grand finals are on. And I'm a real uh, advocate for having all semi-finals played in Sydney. I, I don't like this home ground advantage stuff. I think once the once the uh, the four home and away season's finished, let's all gather in Sydney and play in these big stadiums in front of packed houses. And uh, it's just um, it's just a wonderful time of the year. Yeah, you've always been an advocate for that. A little bit of breaking news here for you too, mate, uh, which is a bit of concern for Broncos fans. Adam Jackson from Nine uh, has just put on uh, Twitter, or X as it's called now, that Herbie Farnworth has come from the field during Broncos training at Suncorp Stadium with what appears to be a hamstring complaint. Now, that is always something in grand final week. Everyone's keeping an eye on any slight little niggle or knock is seized upon, but also... Uh, it could be just a precautionary thing too, Lazo, but not something you want to see a couple of days out from a grand final. No, I've always said that uh, the week leading up to the grand final is one of the hardest weeks to prepare because there's so much stuff happening off the training paddock. You know, you've got, you get photos and things. And of course, in my day, we used to have to go down for a grand final breakfast. Mm. Um, you know, living and playing for Brisbane was a bit of a, bit of a chore, you know? So, um, that doesn't surprise me that, you know, obviously the, the media are excited too. It's grand final week, so they they, they uh, love printing a story. But, yeah, these things happen. These things happen, and uh, I just hope it's it's nothing. It's just a precautionary thing. Uh, but, um, you know, the Broncos and, and the Panthers will find it, I think. They find it, well, I did, found it a little difficult to, to prepare. Uh, you know, I can remember in my last grand final with Melbourne, you know, we were going to... Uh, you know, some of the rugby schools to sort of give them a bit of a, you know, taste of rugby league and the fans are there. And, and whilst we love the fans being there, you know, they, they want to be a part of it and so mm. they should be. Um, they can become quite demanding. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit difficult. But, of course, you know, you fall back on what you've been doing all year because that's obviously uh, what's got you there. 
Now, one of the reasons I want to chat with you today as well, apart from your extraordinary uh, record playing and winning in grand finals, your relationship with the coach of the Brisbane Broncos, Kevy Walters, goes back a long, long way, doesn't it, mate? Take us back to when you and Kevy uh, first met each other in, in Canberra. Well, yeah, the year was uh, 1986, I think. Uh, 1986, um, I was playing, I just started, uh, not well, I was playing in the President's Cup competition, which was a six-weeks co- competition. It was an under-21s competition. And um, after the, that uh, finished, uh, the Raiders graded eight, eight players, and I happened to be one of them. And um, uh, Kevy was uh, uh, down there. And, uh, and look, yeah, it was... I can't remember exactly when we met, but it's certainly been a wonderful relationship, obviously, with him and his brother, Stephen. We won many a game at footy together and won grand finals together. Um, a wonderful family. I was very close to his mum and dad, uh, who unfortunately both passed. Um, I can remember uh, uh, Sandy, uh, Kevy's mum, uh, saying to me one day that uh, they had... Because they had the five boys all within five years. So they had five boys under five. Um, and she said to me, I, one day there, I had to walk into the bedroom and just sit there and cry. And <laughs> <laughs> this is just getting too hard. Five Walters boys all together. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I, I can remember flying up from Canberra to uh, uh, go to um, Kevy's 21st at the Ipswich uh, railway station, uh, him and Kerrod was uh, celebrating the 21st and I can remember my, my wife Tess and I flying up uh, the the year uh, so he was 21 was Expo year so we, we killed two birds with the one stone he went to their 21st and then went off to Expo uh, 88 but um, you know I, I, I love the bloke I love him dearly, he's the most beautiful person, he's got a wonderful personality and I, it's just no surprise to me that he's become what he has today, you know, he just loves rugby league. He loves the Broncos. He just bleeds maroon and gold. And um, and when I when he got the job at the Broncos, you know, I knew he could turn that place around because he understands what a winning club has to do and become. And he's instilled that winning DNA back in the joint. And um, and the players have responded to it and they're bought into what he wants to achieve. Um, and here we are you know, four or five days away from playing in the Broncos' uh, first grand final. Only three years ago, they were winning the wooden spoon. So, uh, Kevy, as does the whole club, needs to be congratulated for what they've achieved so far. Do you think they can do it come Sunday? What's the head saying? What's the heart saying? Yeah, I think uh, both of them are in agreement um, that the Broncos can do it. They're going to have to be very, very good. You know, I thought that uh, the the performance... against um, Melbourne by the Panthers really indicated and, show, and showed uh, what they're capable of. I mean, they just, they don't give you an inch. They don't give you a, a, an opportunity. They don't, so you're going to have to create them. And I, and I think the Broncos are the team that can create opportunities uh, in attack. Um, I've been really impressed with their defence and it'll have to be spot on uh, uh, on the on the weekend. But I, I think, look, I've watched most games throughout the year and I think the Broncos were the only team that were going to beat beat Penrith and um, and, and I think they can and uh, I, I just can't wait for it. I think it'll be a, it'll be one of the grand finals we'll talk about for many, many years. You know, I think that it's going to be 
um, it's going to be one of those epic games, and um, and let's just hope the Broncos can come out on top. Just before I let you go, mate, we're running out of time. I had did mention earlier in the program that you are a mad Carlton supporter. You're a member, have been for many, many years. Have you recovered from last Saturday? Oh, yeah. Look, at the end of the day, you know, we were beaten by a good side in the, in Brisbane, and I do hope that they, uh, you know, go all the way. I'd really love to see. I'd love to see the Brisbane double. I mean, I don't live in Brisbane anymore, but I absolutely love the joint and love what, uh, you know, they did for me and all that sort of thing. But, um, look, I think uh, it's, it's 2013, so 10 years ago was the last time we played in the semifinals, and it's been a tough decade, let me tell you, for us Carlton <laughs> fans. And uh, for them to make the, the, the play or the semifinals was just a, a wonderful thing. And, and they, they beat the Swans. Um, they beat uh, they beat Melbourne, which was great. And we were on a roll. And uh, and unfortunately, we came against a very, very good uh, Brisbane yeah. side. Quarter good. time, though, I was... I you was would have been jumping. Tickets. You would have been <laughs> jumping everywhere. Mate. Mate, oh, got to go, mate. Anyway. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Oh. I know you'll be cheering not only the Broncos, but you could make Kevin Walters. Thanks for your time, mate. Good on you, buddy. Thank you. There he is, Glenn Lazarus. In my opinion, the greatest front row of all time. Post Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Betty's away this week. He's on assignment with Channel 7, but we'll be back next week. We might uh, touch base with him uh, towards the back end of the show today to see how training went uh, at Springfield for the Lions. They will train at the Gabba on Thursday before heading down to Melbourne. Their captain's run on Friday before uh, the parade for the grand final on Saturday afternoon. Still to come, Stephen Hoyles will join us, former Wallaby and now commentator on Stan Sport. Where are the Wallabies at? What is happening? Where is the future? What Can we beat Portugal? Never thought I'd be asking that question. 13-13-55 is the open line number. We need contestants for our quiz whiz. The first question, the getting question, who did the Brisbane Broncos beat to win their last NRL Premiership in 2006? If you know the answer to that, 13-13-55. <laughs> Ten questions, one winner. Time for Morning's Quiz Whiz. And now here's our very cheap version of Tony Barber, Benny Davis. I'm a little bit more expensive than Ben. So, um, yeah, Ben's not here, but uh, Mark Braybrook filling in. So ten questions. The one that gets the last one right is the winner, and it's the $100, $100 Archie's footwear voucher for our Quiz Whiz winner. And our first five callers, if you get beaten you can come back and have a second crack. If you get it wrong, you can come back. But that's only for the first five, all right? And our first question was, who did the Brisbane Broncos beat to win their last NRL Premiership in 2006? And it's all grand final related today, our quiz. Dan at Brisbane. Morning, mate. How are you? G'day, Ben. Good, thank you. How are you? Love the show. First time caller, long time listener. That's good, mate. Ben's away today, so you're speaking to Mark. So what's your answer to... You're right, mate. What's your answer to question number one? Who did the Broncos beat in 2006 in the grand final? Melbourne Storm. The Melbourne Storm is correct. So well done. You're underway. What is your knowledge of grand finals like, Dan, in both NRL or AFL? Which would be your preferred sport? NRL. NRL. Well, question number two is an AFL question. It is related to the grand finals only because it's grand final week. So Lockie Neal won the Brownlow medal last night. It was his second Brownlow. Do you remember the year he won his first? 2021. 
sorry, mate, it wasn't 2021, but you can come back and have another crack a little bit later. So get back on the phone. It wasn't 2021. Ben at Ipswich. Morning, mate. Yeah, I am, Mark. I'm well. Do you know what year Lockie won his first Brownlow? Wasn't 2021. Uh, might have been 2020. It was 2020. Congratulations. We're on our way. So which which do you prefer, NRL or AFL questions? Where are we going to stump you, do you think? Uh, probably get tripped up on the AFL ones, I reckon. I think you might. But anyway, we've got an NRL one here for you, a rugby league one. Question number three, how many premierships has Kevy Walters won as a player? How many premierships has Kevy won as a player? Six. Well done. Well done. You're... What are your thoughts heading into Sunday? What's your heart say and what does your head say? Um, your heart says Penrith and hopefully my head says Penrith as well. Oh, you're a Penrith fan, are you? Yeah, I grew up in Penrith, so yeah, always back then. Oh, okay, so well done. So you heading down on Sunday or staying here in uh, Ipswich to, to watch it and listen? Uh, hopefully I'll, I'll stay here and watch it and hopefully make a fair bit of noise if the Panthers win and stir up some of the neighbours. Now, did you <laughs> did you get to Suncorp a couple of years ago when they beat Souths? Uh, no, I was away from work on that one. Oh, you missed it. Oh, bad luck. Okay. Now, I'm just, yeah. I'm just trying to put off the inevitable because the next one's an AFL question. Uh, which year did the Brisbane yeah, Lions yeah. and Collingwood Magpies last face off in a grand final? If you heard the chat with Daryl White before, you might be able to work it out. Which year did the Brisbane Lions and Collingwood last play in a grand final against each other? Uh, 2003. Well done. That sounded like a guess or an educated guess, was it? Uh, I remember... I had a vague recollection of it three in a row around that time. Yep. So it's easy to remember. One, two, yeah. yeah, one, two, three, one, two, three. Now, if you get this one wrong, I will be mortified, and you should be as well. Yep. Who did SEN's Scott <laughs> Sadler take down in his famous try-saving tackle in the 2003 grand final against the Roosters? Uh, Todd Byrne. What would have happened if you got that wrong? You would have been... Ostracised from all any yeah, Penrith. Wouldn't have been, been, no, that was awful. Wouldn't have been showing me face in Penrith. <laughs> Absolutely not. Question number six for you. Going all right. Which two teams contested the AFL Grand Final that was played here at the Gabba in 2020? That was. Oh God. Uh, it's easy oh. to forget, isn't it? Need an answer. Uh, Collingwood and GWS. No, it wasn't. And to be honest, mate, not even close, Ben, but I understand that. Um, Try again because you're one of our first five. Thanks for your call. John at Burp and Gary, which two teams contested the AFL grand final played at the Gabber in 2020? I reckon it was Richmond and Geelong. I reckon you were correct. How are you, mate? Um, AFL or NRL strength or as good with both? No, NRL strength, AFL. And a Broncos supporter? Absolutely. Heart and head for the weekend. What's your thoughts? Uh, Heart definitely says Brisbane, but the head kind of says Penrith. Yeah, I think everyone... Good on you, Sam. Well done. I think everyone's along those lines that this Penrith side is just so good. Now, a rugby league question for you, mate. 
Name the only player to have won premierships at three different clubs, and it was the first premierships for those clubs as well. I reckon it would be Lazo, Glenn Lazarus. I reckon you are correct. If you're listening to the chat before, you should know that. Another rugby league one for you. Who did the Brisbane Broncos beat in the 1997 Super League Grand Final? Cronulla. They did out of QE2. 50-odd thousand, I called that game. Um, Seems a long time ago it was, 26 years ago. Now we get to the AFL question for you. They get a little bit tougher here, John. Who won the Norm Smith medal in the 2010 AFL Grand Final replay between Collingwood and St Kilda? I'd reckon St Kilda played Lenny Hayes. No, not Lenny Hayes from St Kilda. It wasn't him, mate. But you're one of our first five, so you can give us a call back. No worries about that. 13, 13, 55. Dennis at Bray Park. Hey, mate, how are you? Good, mate, good. Who won the Norm Smith in 2010? Collingwood v St Kilda. Nathan Buckley. No, I think Nathan had pretty much finished by then. It's a player that we all know, but uh, you've been one of our first five, so you can give us a call back as well. Dan in Brisbane. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm well. Do you know who won the Norm Smith medal in 2010? I think you'll find it actually is Lenny Hayes. In the grand final replay? Oh, in the replay. Yeah. Nick Rewalt. No. It wasn't. Thanks for your call, Dan. 13-13-55 is the open line. Who won the Norm Smith in the 2010 AFL Grand Final replay between Collingwood and St Kilda? Ben at Ipswich, you're back, mate. Yeah, back again. Give it another try. Yep. Not your favourite uh, topic. It Dane, was it Dane Swan? It wasn't Dane Swan, but what are we, we can have it. Do it, the mystery voice. Can we play the mystery voice before... To give people a clue, we like to give clues or not, Sam? Can I? Am I getting any in trouble for that or not? I don't know. Well, it says the name in it. Oh, does it? The well, then we won't. Well, the name. well, we won't. So now, John at Burp and Carry, I don't want to get into trouble. Who won the 2010 AFL Grand Final replay Norm Smith Medal between Collingwood and St Kilda? Who do you reckon? Scott Pendlebury. The winner of the Norm Smith Medal for 2010 is Scott Embry from Collingwood. Well, technically, you got it wrong there, I think, um, John, because Embleburry, Emble, whatever his name, yeah, Scott Pendlebury won uh, the grand final replay between Collingwood and St Kilda, Norm Smith medal in 2010. Now, our last question. That guy you... sounded like he was full as a state school hat rack. Or very, very nervous, one of the two. Let's, I'll give him yeah. the benefit of the doubt that he was very, very nervous speaking to a microphone, okay. grand final day at the MCG. Now, on a similar vein, in question number 10, who won, which Brisbane Bronco won the Clive Churchill medal in the 2000 grand final win over the Roosters? The Brisbane Bronco won the... Oh, there you go. You said that with confidence and assurance as if that was just so easy. I knew that one. I'm the same age as Darren Lockyer. Played a bit of junior footy against him, so yeah. Okay, well, any any game that Lockie played in, have to be close to being one of the best on the field anyway. So there you go. Yeah, Darren Lockie here in 2000. Will it be a Brisbane Bronco or a Penrith Panther winning uh, the, Nor- the Norm Smith, the Clive Churchill medal on Sunday? And interesting, too, that uh, Cliff Lyons is going to present it rather than Rod Churchill, the son of Clive. There a little bit of controversy a couple of weeks ago with his comments about Luttrell. But I, I think it's a good thing 
that um, former players are involved in the presentation rather than, even though it's great that, um, you know, Clive is represented by the family, there's no dramas with with Rod uh, being there as part of it, but I just think we, we need to embrace our former players to be more involved in that situation. So, yeah, Peter Sterling was asked the first winner of the Clive Churchill medal, but he's going on a golf trip, so he won't be around for the grand final. Clive um, Churchill medal will be presented by Cliffy Lyons come Sunday. Who will he present it to? Time will tell. So good on you, John. Congratulations. You've won our $100 Archie's footwear voucher for our Quiz Whiz winner today. Ben will be back next week to do it all again. $100 Archie footwear voucher. Archie thongs, so comfy you'll never take them off. We better take a break because other side of the break, we'll talk a bit of rugby. What is going on with the Wallabies? Stephen Hoyle's next. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Yeah, Benny's away on uh, assignment with seven. He's out of training at the moment with the Lions at Springfield. So we'll chat to him after the headlines with Vanessa at 11.30. The new McCrispy from Maccas is their next big thing. Try it Saturday before or after the big game. As we've been discussing throughout the morning here, uh, the Wallabies, what is going on? It's sort of a, a never-ending question, isn't it? Almost a rhetorical question. If someone knew the answer, the problem would have been solved. But the loss to Wales, and as I mentioned at the top of the program, not just the loss, the way uh, the Wallabies were beaten 40 points to six. We now take on Portugal, the last game of the World Cup for the Wallabies, who thought we'd be questioning whether or not we'd be good enough to beat Portugal. Surely we will be good enough to beat Portugal, but the post-mortem has already started into the Wallabies and their World Cup performance in 2023. One man that uh, has been watching and I'm sure has uh, a, a strong opinion about what uh, is happening with rugby in Australia is former Wallaby and Stan Sport commentator Stephen Hoyles, who joins me now. Stephen, thanks for your time, mate. No worries, Mark. Thanks for having me. It must be so difficult for a former Wallaby to watch uh, and see what's happening as this side is beaten so comprehensively by Wales, not get through to the quarterfinals. If it's hard for us as a fan, it must be even harder for, for someone that's worn that gold jersey. Yeah, look, I think it's equally hard for any Australian who cares about their sport. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it hurts even more just because we've played for them. I just think any proud Australian is probably feeling the pain. And it's... Um, yeah, it was, a, it was difficult to watch. I was over there the week before and I watched the Fiji game live and it's probably the first time I, as a you know, fan or a past player, I sat in the stand and, and just felt that we were not up to it. Um, so I was really worried going into the, the Wales game and uh, I'm not I'm not proud of the fact that I actually tipped Wales on air before the game. I don't think I've ever tipped against the Wallabies. I wasn't back in Wales, but I just didn't think this group of players were good enough to get the result against Wales. And... Um, as it turned out, it, that was the case, and we were way off the pace. We were we were in it for a fair while, but um, the scoreline probably reflects where the game's at as a whole. It, I think the start, the way the game evolved, you know, a couple of the decisions we we made during the game, we turned down points when it was I think it was ten six at the time, and that that one decision to not take points, and then the result to kick to the line, we missed the line out, they kicked all the way down the end of the field. That kind of summarised. Um, the inexperience in the game at the moment. So really difficult times, but also really um, unique opportunities for the game to see if, they're, if they've got the courage to make some tough decisions to, to make the changes that are required. Yeah, they're the fundamentals though too, Stephen, aren't they? I mean, that line-out throw, I mean, it never went anywhere near a wallaby. 
Yeah, look, if you watch closely, it was a. There's, you can break it down a million ways. It was, it was a call that had a player that had to, you know, technical terms, slip out of the line out and literally he slipped, he tripped over and okay. foot slipped and they, they didn't go up. So it was, it was a poorly executed decision. It was also the um, the wrong call. That's that's the reality of it. And it was the wrong call because the opposition line out weren't jumping in the air. It was an easy win if they just, you know, threw the ball and jumped. And in line out terms, you just call that a throw jump. And we made it too difficult to, for us to execute. We slipped over. But, but that actually just summarised probably the the inexperience where we're at at the moment. And, um yeah, that that was one moment, and then yeah, that didn't ruin the game for us. But we definitely self-employed in that second half. This is not something that's just happened overnight either, Stephen. You know, Dave Rennie was sacked twelve months out from a World Cup. I mean, that infamous press conference with Eddie Jones before the team, you know, even left, uh, you know, at the airport. Um, things have been bubbling along for some time, haven't they? In your opinion, uh, where is the greatest area of need? Is it at the top? Or is it at the bottom? Um, yeah, look, I think everything you know it, it starts at the top. I think we've had a we've had a failing professional system for the last fifteen years. And if you look back to where that came from, like you know, we won two World Cups when the game on the you know the amateur game, and then when the game went early professional, Australian rugby was leading the way in how the game dealt with professionalism. Our coaches were shortly highly respected all over the world because Australia really started the professional game in a in a fashion ahead of the rest of the world and we we added a four super rugby team in I think 2006 with the Western Force coming in and then we added the Melbourne Rebels um, in 2011 or somewhere around that time and that was that was private money Harold Mitchell was the, was the man that backed the Melbourne Rebels but he pulled out of that about five years later and Australian rugby were left with that with that um, financially you know, inadequate model. And, and as a result now, we've got five teams. The Brumbies have been really successful. They develop great players. They run an excellent program, but they don't sell enough tickets. They don't get enough bums on seats. Um, it's one of the best programs you'll see in world rugby in terms of getting players better, the Brumbies, but they're not financially successful. At the moment, you've got two super rugby teams that are on the verge of, of being of going broke, and that's the Waratahs and the Brumbies. So something really needs to change. Um, and a lot of people will get angry when you talk about reducing the number of super rugby teams uh, and I don't know if that will actually solve the problem in its own. If you want to keep five teams, we've got to have an open market with the New Zealanders. We've got to have a, a, a trade agreement where they're all back to play you know, like a, a bit like a league. The New Zealand Warriors can have play or New Zealand can have players playing in Sydney and the NRL so they can still qualify for, for New Zealand. That, that might actually make super rugby a little bit more entertaining but at the moment five teams um, and is, is too many for the Australian market to to service, and too many of our good players are overseas because the salary cap isn't enough in Super Rugby because there's not enough money. So there are a lot of problems, but there, there, this um, you know this overnight or last couple of days of, super, of World Rugby failing for the Wallabies, it probably gives us a chance to to really assess what needs to change. So how critical then is it? What's the time frame in that respect? How, is there a limited window of trying to get this right before the next World Cup, or is it a long-term fix? Where are we at in that respect then? Look, the, the thing that is saving us all here is the game is so healthy from a global point of view. Every the Ticket sales in the World Cup in France are at like you know, 95%. You can't get a ticket over there. It's so popular. Every, every stadium is close to packed out. So the game's healthy at that level. We're going through a really unsuccessful period. So 
Uh, I think we need to look at the long term. As much as we're hosting a tournament in four years, what we've done in the last 10 years, when, it, when it's been Neil McKenzie or Robbie Deans or Michael Checker or Dave Rennie, we've always looked at how we can turn it around in the next 12 to 18 months. And that's not that hasn't worked for us. So we need to look at how we can turn it around in the next 10 years. And that's not to say we can't have success in a shorter period of time. And, and to be fair, Eddie went with that. You know, He was brave enough to go with a really young squad but it's backfired on him because they weren't, you know, that young squad still should have been sprinkled with a little bit more maturity, just with some players that could have got us through to the pool stages. So I think the most disappointing thing for fans at the moment is this was a, a pool, no disrespect to Fiji or Wales, they played really well and they've clearly performed better than we have, but this is a pool that we could have qualified out of into the quarterfinals. So um, the game needs to look at a long-term solution. Like, Certain parts of the country, people will say, oh, the game's not given enough to club footy, to grassroots and club footy. I coach club footy in Sydney. I've got kids in junior sport and junior rugby in Sydney. That's really healthy. I can't speak on behalf of bush rugby, but club rugby in Sydney, school rugby in Australia is healthy. There's a, women's rugby is growing at a really good rate. Uh, sevens rugby is, is excellent. We've got two of the best teams in the world in sevens. It'll go to the Olympics next year. So there are a lot of good parts of the game. It's just that our professional tier of men's rugby and our Wallaroos and Wallabies aren't performing well enough, and we need to assess why. Are we playing enough? You talk about Super Rugby, and and the Super Rugby season starts in February, and it seems to be over in the blink of an eye, and then all of a sudden those players are going to be playing test matches against the All Blacks, South Africa and Argentina. Are we playing enough uh, Super Rugby against quality sides to improve those players so that when they get to the Wallaby level that they are at test level? I think we're playing enough Super Rugby because that's what you know. New Zealand are playing the same number of games as us. What we're not doing enough of is when there's this gap between Super Rugby and Test footy, and there's this gap in the calendar. And I'll use I'll use an example of Dylan Peach and Ben and, and Ben Donaldson because they play at the club where I coach Randwick. We got Dylan Peach for 40 minutes this year because he was in and out of Wallaby training camps and Australia A programs. We didn't see Ben Donaldson at all. And Ben Donaldson probably went about eight weeks without playing any games of rugby because he was training with the Wallabies. And, and in a World Cup year, you, you probably do understand why players are held out of club footy a little bit more because you know there's a little bit more risk with injury. But overall, young guys aren't playing enough games of rugby. If you're looking at a schoolboy level and an under-20s level, um, you know we've got... Look at England rugby sisters, for example, in New Zealand. They're probably playing 35 to 40 games a year. Our equivalent of under-20s kids, like Australian under-20s players, there'd be some of them that are lucky to have played 20 games this season. And their bodies are capable of playing a lot more. And as young guys, when your body's resilient and you're good enough and physical enough to tolerate more games, you've got to play. Like, no matter what anyone says, playing games and the the pressure of competition and the, the lessons you learn from making mistakes and losing games and failing on the field... They're far more valuable than you've been in a high-performance training program or an academy, or um, and I do think that's one of the reasons. Like I, I really think we're very protective of the, the number of games and the number of kilometres players run and train. And yeah, I think we've actually got to go a little bit more towards an old-school approach and get them out there playing and, and get them playing grade football against men and losing games and and understanding why they lose. We don't want Test rugby to be a a venue where people have to learn how to how to improve. Like, yeah, you're always going to evolve as a player, but we've got too many young guys at this World Cup that are not experienced enough for the international level. 
fascinating insights, mates. Really enjoyed speaking to you. Just before I let you go, we are going to beat Portugal, aren't we? <laughs> I shouldn't even be asking that. If we don't, I don't think I'll take this call oh, next week, Mark, dear. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty confident we'll get them. And look, this might be a really good reflection of the side when there's, you know, as much as we think there's, there's no pressure on them anymore. They're not going to make the quarterfinals. They're going to go out there with probably like a, a burst of energy and just want to play footy off the cuff, and that might actually help them. So, mm. yeah, I'm confident we'll beat Portugal. Um, but, you know, stranger things have happened, and should... I probably my tipping results this year haven't been that great as a, as a Wallaby fan. I shouldn't even be asking you that question. I apologise for that in the first place, mate. Really, That's okay, mate. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, and uh, fascinating, fascinating insight. Thank you. No worries, mate. Cheers, mate. Stephen Hoyles. Now, you can watch all the action from Rugby World Cup 2023 on the home of rugby, Stan Sport. Every match ad-free, live in the 4K, live in the 4K Ultra HD and on demand, including full replays, mini matches and highlights for every game. Mark Braybrook filling in for Ben on this Thursday. <laughs> Sam telling me to talk and I couldn't because the mic hadn't been turned on, you imbecile. Anyway, uh, Benny will be joining us from training uh, very soon out at uh, Springfield at uh, 26 to 12. In fact, he is there now. G'day, mate. How are you? <laughs> uh, Mark, very good morning. A very busy morning indeed. Um, some news out of here, which is looking good for Lions fans and most importantly, looking good for Jack Payne. Uh, he, he did everything asked of him at training. There was a lot of uh, changing direction, running, uh, leaping for marks, kicking, playing on. Even spoke to him when he was doing a, a lap of, not a lap of honour, but going around and speaking to all the, the fans, signing autographs. And he said he was really buoyed by the news today, uh, the news today, the feeling today of, of his ankle. Uh, obviously, it still has to be ticked off on Thursday. That will be the fitness test uh, at the Gabba. Uh, but at this stage, he's feeling confident. Of course, he'd say that. He says he's ready to play. Now it's just up to the, the coaching and the selection staff. He, he's been doing everything he can to, to get it right as well. Uh, sessions in hyperbaric chambers, uh, icing it. And you've got to remember, this is what now three weeks into this uh, into this injury that he's uh, he picked up from the first uh, semi-final uh, against uh, Port Adelaide at the Gabba. So. Signs are good, but again, if he doesn't get up, if they if they don't decide he's 100 percent Darcy Gardner's still waiting in the wings. Uh, he did a really good job uh, against uh, Carlton and uh, and Charlie Kerno on uh, Saturday night. I can't imagine what it would be like to miss out through injury. Dan McStay, of course, is not going to be yeah. there for Collingwood, but uh, look, you hope that he can get up because he's been there all year. How how did they train? Was it a light session? Where what was the training session yeah. like? Yeah, very much kick and catch. Uh, basically, it was uh, it was in, it, it's steaming hot out here at uh, at Springfield. Even though it says on the temperature gauge it's only 24 degrees, but not a cloud in the sky. Uh, blue skies, quite warm, and that all was really well for Saturday because the forecast for the MCG Saturday afternoon is 28 degrees and sunny. So very much Queensland-like conditions. Although, come on, it's Melbourne. It could be raining by it gets to half time, but. I know Melbourne, I was checking to see what the comparison was today. It's 11 degrees there right now. So um, even if it wasn't hot today, you've got to think conditions, if they stay like this, have got to be uh, one of those little one percenters that, that, that suit the Lions, considering mm-hmm. they play, they train and uh, and, and do everything in, in these type of uh, uh, these type of this type of heat. Yeah, absolutely, mate. We mentioned that uh, earlier and the fact that it's going to be 33 or 34 in Sydney on Sunday uh, for the grand yes. final, but that starts a little bit later, you know, 7.30 at night. 
their time. That temperature won't be necessarily be as big as an impact as a potential 28-degree day in Melbourne uh, for that Collingwood side that uh, wouldn't have seen 28 degrees since the last time they visited <laughs> Queensland. So, mate, um, thank, thanks for your um, con- contribution today. We might touch base tomorrow to see what the lines are up to. I know you said they've got the day off, uh, but still things happen in grand final week. Things change. Oh, don't, don't they indeed? Um, I know the boys love playing their golf. So if they've been told to stick to the same routine, well, maybe find them on a golf course somewhere. Mm. They play for the coveted white jacket or the ivory, the bone, the off-white, mm. the cream. It's uh, think, think a green master's jacket, all embroidered with the players' names that have won it over the past few years. It's a tradition that they've started up here. Dane Zorko, one of the leaders of the pack, and, and, and Daniel Rich, very keen golfers. So... Uh, Well, Well, Daniel Daniel uh, Rich, Daniel Rich is the the organizer, and he's the one. His name's been on there that many times. And Zorks tells me there's question marks over uh, how he wins these things. So there's a lot of feeling between (laughs) them all with regards to that jacket. I know that uh, for a fact. Yes, exactly. And the names that pop up. I mean, it's almost a weekly. They come into the club and go. You wouldn't believe what Jackson Pryor had yesterday. Where's he come? Come from the clouds, playing off a handicap of this. And so the different names that have, uh, have uh, littered that uh, green jacket, it's 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 up there with some of the, the best and fairest of uh, of the lines. Now, look, who is this going off? I've got to say that there was about a 1,000 people here. I'm going to say close to a 1,000. That's the number we're all agreeing to. But right now, on Michael Voss Oval, uh, there would be the best part of uh, 100 kids doing Oz kick activities during the school holidays. Now, I know Gil McLaughlin would like to think that AFL has taken over rugby league in this state. That's not correct. But I tell you what, it's on its way. We know kids, Auskick, we know AFL in schools is absolutely exploding. And when you have someone like a dual Brownlow medalist sitting in your backyard, Lockie Neal, the current Lion King, is a big driving force behind that. So is Charlie Cameron, so is Dane Zorko. Daniel Rich is about 20 metres away from me now, signing autographs and and talking to kids. Um, And and, and this, their session finished the best part of an hour ago. So they're getting out, right pressing stuff. the flesh, and, and just being, yeah, they're just being able to touch your heroes is a big thing. Good on you, mate. I'll let you get back to work, and uh, we'll hopefully chat again tomorrow. Thanks, mate. Benny Davis out there at Springfield with the Lions training session. Of course, our grand final coverage starts from 9 o'clock Saturday with Off the Bench with Hutchie and Pickers live from Fed Square in Melbourne. Then it's crunch time AFL from 11. Then the big one, the 2023 AFL Toyota grand final coverage from 1. The bounces at 2.30 and all is live on SENQ and the SEN app as we look towards the Lions on Saturday and then the Broncos on Sunday. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Mark Braybrook filling in for Benny on this uh, Tuesday. He'll be back next week on assignment with Seven. He'll be joining us tomorrow to give us an update on on the Lions as well as uh, they prepare for their grand final. The Brisbane Broncos, of course, preparing for them. If you just joined us, a couple of players, three, I think, uh, Reese Walsh, Herbie Farnworth and Adam Reynolds left training for a little bit of treatment, but I reckon there might be a, a few little games being played by the Brisbane Broncos in a grand final week just to get the media frothing at the mouth a little bit and maybe some suggestion down to Penrith that they've got a couple of players carrying niggles, but I don't think there'll be any doubt that Herbie Farnworth, Reese Walsh and Adam Reynolds will be there come Sunday. A couple of texts here, um, no names to them, but uh, one about rugby and our chat with Stephen Hoyles. While Australia is engaged in the super rugby system, we'll never be a formidable rugby nation. 
the idea of a representative team is to play through the ranks uh, from club level, then to play for your region, state, country. It's not a bad idea. If the Super Rugby team is not financially viable, I know the domestic club system would welcome the move. It's often been an argument uh, with regards to rugby, the fact that, um, you know, those at that Super Rugby level and even at the Wallaby level, they're on contracts. If you're contracted, you almost you know, got to play them, don't you, if they're contracted players. And if you're a young player that might be coming through the system, not on a contract, it's very hard for you to break through to that next level. Uh, you sort of stay at that club rugby level. And I'm not sure whether Super Rugby has been beneficial to uh, rugby in this country. We certainly have not kept pace or even caught up to uh, the New Zealand sides in that and even some of the South African teams. And a, a text here on the forward pass technology, any pass that goes forward is forward, irrespective of how it leaves the hands. Um, well, not necessarily. You can be standing flat foot or pass to someone three or four metres behind you. It doesn't necessarily uh, travel forward, but passes are allowed uh, to, to go forward. In this day of technology, a laser grid on the ground can overlay the field it won't matter what angle the field is when viewed. The field is constant. This will easily show any ball that goes forward. My point being that the ball is allowed to travel forward. So how do you know if it's forward out of the hands or backwards out of the hands and floats forward or through physics? And if required, move the 10 metres back to 11 to avoid further passes from dummy half in front of the advantage line. Well, that's getting a little bit complicated, but appreciate the text, 13 13 55 is the open line number, or you can send us a text, 0467 736 736. Now, Paddy Walsh has done a number of interviews with the uh, stars from the Brisbane Broncos ahead of the NRL Grand Final. If you want to catch those, they're on Instagram and TikTok and search SENQ on both platforms. But one of those interviews Paddy did was with Payne Haas. I see the tattoo on your leg, respect all, fear none. It's pretty much what you've got to take into this weekend. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I've probably lived by since I was a kid. And, um, you know, obviously this week I'm um, just trying to enjoy it, but not fear the week and not get caught up in it. So, um, you know, we've got a game at the end of the day on Sunday to win. And yeah, it's cool getting into a grand final, but it doesn't mean nothing if you don't get the win. So, yeah. Mate, staying here, probably sacrificed money to stay in Brisbane. Premiership success was obviously key for you. What does it mean to have a moment like this? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, something you dream of as a kid and um, yeah, you've seen all these crazy fans out here. Um, they've been loyal to us for the last few years and oh, sorry. And um, just, yeah, so just want to win this Sunday for them and yeah, bring that trophy back. Do you have to pinch yourself for the club's back on the grand final stage so quickly after that season like 2020? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I don't think it's really sunk in yet that we're playing the grand final. I feel like if when we get to Sydney, it will. But yeah, it's just crazy seeing all this amount of support we've got and um, yeah, it's just real cool. So. Club's got plenty in the lead-up, but so too is the coach. I mean, you know, do you feel for him a little? You know, just, yeah, that he's he's been able to get you guys to this level now. Yeah, um, obviously, yeah, it's crazy um, how much scrutiny he went through um, the last few years. But, um, you know, Kevy deserves all the respect and love from everyone what he has this year. And I feel like he should be a Dalian coach of the year, to be honest. So, um, you know, obviously, Kevy's a big part of why we're here now. And, um, yeah. You too, I suppose, and we've spoken about this before, you've been able to compartmentalise a lot of things that go on in your life, haven't you? Yeah, um, obviously, been doing that since I was probably a kid. Um, you know, obviously, I don't really want to try and bring that energy to the boys and try and put it away when I come in to train and just have fun, put a smile on my face, so, yeah. You said Kevy's been a big part of this. He's obviously been on grand finals with the Broncos. Mate, what advice has he had to you guys this week? Uh, just to enjoy the week and... Um, now, obviously, yeah, 
just enjoy it with the boys, take it day by day and don't get caught up in it. Um, you know, there's so much media stuff and it's not normal, like a normal week of footy, but um, yeah, just don't be caught up. We've still got a job on Sunday, so. Okay, you probably already answered this, but just uh, given where the club was at in 2020, wooden spoons on the field across the road to what you're seeing here today, I mean, what does it mean to you guys as the players? Yeah, it means a lot. Um, obviously, that was a dark time in our careers and um, our footy careers and uh, we're only young then, but uh, we're here now, we're stuck at it and I'm just proud of the boys, so yeah. Happens every week, they find another prop to come against you. You and Fisher-Harris this week, this will be fun, won't it? Yeah, um, it feels like everyone's always matching me against someone else every week, but yeah, it's been happening since 2019, since I made my rookie year, so um, yeah, it's another challenge, it's pretty cool, and I just can't wait for it, so yeah. Thank you, mate, best of luck. There is Payne Haas, uh, Paddy at training yesterday, and he is the man for mine that is the key for the Brisbane Broncos because if they want to try and topple this Penrith side, as we heard earlier with Brent Tate, they're going to go through the middle. They're going to try and disrupt James Fisher-Harris and Moses Leota. They need Payne Haas to step up to be able to uh, not so much dominate, but just give Adam Reynolds that opportunity to, to be the player that we know he can be. And his experience in grand finals is the key as well. Now, our coverage starts on the weekend at 12 o'clock. There's 10 hours of nonstop coverage. NRL crunch time, previewing the Broncos versus Panthers grand final. Then there's the NRLW grand final. And then at 6.30, the kickoff. Now, don't forget the point being that uh, daylight saving starts on Sunday. So if you see any markings around that it's 7.30, it's 6.30 in Queensland. The grand final starts at 6.30 in Queensland. You'll hear it here on SEN with our comprehensive coverage as we get behind our Queensland team Saturday with the Brisbane Lions. Sunday, we do that with the Brisbane Broncos. Proudly presented by IMAR, the Tradies Insurance and Brighton Homes. It's all on the SENQ and SEN app. So it's going to be a bumper weekend of uh, coverage right here on SEN. And it should be a cracker. The Lions on Saturday, followed by the Broncos on Sunday. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. So we started with the Lions with their theme song, and that's the song that the Broncos run out to. I think that's their best song too, the Broncos, and uh, will we be hearing that come Sunday afternoon? Max from Kalunga, thank you for your text. Uh, this Lion team gives me a similar feeling to those three-peat teams. Seems like they're more than ready to take the flag home after some missteps in recent years. Excited to see the Lions take down the Pies on Saturday nighty. Thank you. Rugby League rugby has the ability to call forward passes with their game technology. Not sure why the NRL can't use this. It's for howlers. We have technology to check other decisions in the game. Why not forward passes? I'm not sure that the technology in ID is up to it yet at the moment. That's the problem. And thank you um, for clarifying your text. Uh, one of our texters before doesn't have a name, but the point about the forward pa- any pass being Floating forward or not, is it it's forward? Let's take that out of the game. So any pass that travels forward is forward, whether it's out of the hands, backwards or not. Interesting. I don't – I mean, every pass then you'd be saying would be travelling forward from the point of release, um, and I'm not sure whether that would work. But 
It's a point. Otherwise, we may as well play gridiron. I reckon that if you bought that in, 80% of the passes would be going forward because where you throw it from to where it ends up, if you're running at speed, will always have gone forward. But the referees are in line. If they keep up and they're good, it shouldn't be an issue. I mean, it, that pass on Saturday was a shocker. It was clearly forward. I'm not sure how they missed it, but let's hope that come Sunday there isn't an issue with a pass going forward that the referee misses or that there is any involvement of the referee bunker or touch judges that is in any way uh, has anything to do with the results on Sunday evening in Sydney for the grand final between the Penrith Panthers and the Brisbane Broncos. Don't forget tomorrow, joining us on the show, Mal Meninga is back. It's Wednesday, so we speak to the Australian coach and the immortal Mal Meninga. Thanks for company. Back tomorrow morning from 9 to do it all again. Ben's back next week, but that for this Tuesday is Mornings with Ben Davis.